Hey everybody, welcome back to PT Tech Talk Podcast. This is episode 45. And if you're looking for the intersection of physical therapy and technology, you are in the right place. I'm one of two co-hosts. My name is Dave Kittle. I'm a physical therapist and the founder CEO of Initial. Initial is a HIPAA texting app for patient provider and patient communication, focusing on refilling your appointment slots for tomorrow that are on your schedule. Check out Vinitial.com, Vinitial.com for more. And as always, joined by my co-host, Rob Vining. Rob's a PT, a physical therapist, and the founder of PT Live. What is PT Live? PT Live is a live chat box on your practice's website for patients to ask questions and learn more about your practice and then schedule. And you can check out www.ptlive.me for more. And tonight, our guest is Sturdy McKee. Sturdy, uh, I got a long list of what of, of things for Sturdy right now. So Sturdy McKee is a physical therapist. He's a business coach. He's the co-owner of San Francisco Sport and Spine Physical Therapy, and also the founder of online appointment scheduling software, Schedule Doc. And you can check out Schedule Doc at www.scheduledoc.co, not .com. Right. And, and uh, before we say what's up to Sturdy and bring him on, I want to say hi to Rob, my co-host, Rob Vining. What's going on, man? Hey, things are going good, man. And we forgot to put on the resume, Sturdy, the sweetest beard in all of physical therapy. I had a long list. It's like one other thing to add, Rob. It was on the back of the page. It was on the back. <laughs> three, three weeks, four weeks since we've done an episode. So a little uh, summertime vacation going on. You can't always be all work and no play. So coming back with a strong episode, talking to Sturdy here. Sturdy, thank you so much for coming on, man. And if you don't mind, for the people that have been uh, living under a rock and don't know you, introduce yourself a little bit, give us a little bit of a, uh, a summary, and then let's just kind of start talking about a schedule doc first. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm a physical therapist. Uh, Graduated 21 years ago um, here in San Francisco, UCSF, San Francisco State. And uh, yeah, went into private practice just about three years after that, solo practice for a couple of years. Uh, joined up with Jerry Durham, who's my business partner in San Francisco Sport and Spine PT. And uh, that was in 2001. And, you know, a very, probably a very typical trajectory for most people. First couple of years, we had no idea what we were doing. Um, you know, on the business side of things, we, we were thought we were good clinicians. We provided great care. We worked really hard, competed against each other for how many people we could see in a week, how many hours we could work and all that stuff, which uh, when you're not making any profit and just scraping by and working long hours, you know, um, that gets tiring, exhausting, and wives start to ask questions and, you know, all that typical stuff. Um, but then a couple of years into it, we started, you know, really focusing back in on the business education, business side of things, and uh, learned you know, just a, a ton of, a ton of stuff over the course of the next, you know, dozen years, um, that we've put into place, applied, have a kind of the practice I, I always wanted, where we've got multiple locations. Uh, we've got great people who run it on a day-to-day -day basis. I help them mentor, coach, teach, but I don't, uh, you know, I'm not in the clinic all day, every day. I'm not treating, I'm not managing everything day-to-day -day at this point. In time, I've got these other projects that I've enjoyed working on, and that's kind of where we are today. Nice. That's awesome. So, Rob and I definitely want to hear, and I think a lot of our audience study would want to hear, what were some of those challenges and issues that you saw in the marketplace, and, and specifically for physical therapy, practice owners, uh, admin staff, front desk staff, what were some of the pain points and challenges that you saw as an owner 
where you thought maybe if you were to develop something that eventually became ScheduleDoc, that it could help your colleagues and other practice owners across the country? Well, yeah. The, thanks, Dave. The, the thing that happened that really precipitated it was a sales call from a company called ZocDoc. And I was talking with them and, and everything sounded awesome, right? I, I mean, I, I get told that we're, you know, we're in San Francisco, we're right here in near Silicon Valley and there's a, there is a lot of tech and I guess we don't see it the same way as a lot of folks. I've just kind of expected, I've got friends who own tech companies and I, I don't think too, too much of it. Um, but we got this call and it sounded cool and it sounded like, Hey, this is a good service for patients. And, you know, we're all booking our, I guess at that time we weren't even booking our cars, but we were booking our uh, flights and hotels and everything else online. And uh, I thought it sounded like a great deal. And then they told me the price and I went into sticker shock. Um, You know, for our practice at the time, it was going to be almost $40,000 a year. Yeah. I mean, and I I, know it was that much. (laughs) Well, Oh yeah. Well, it's around three grand per, Per clinician, per provider, per year, wow. um, and I just, uh, you know, I went. I, I was, of course, my reaction was, well, what about per clinic? What about per, you know, if more than ten therapists, can we get a discount? And none of that was, you know, agreed to. It was just, no, this is our price, and this is what we do. And I, you know, and, and I'd already been through their sales process, which was really, really high touch, really old fashioned, traditional. Um, you know, they were going to send out a professional photographer. They were going to control everything on the site. They were going to do all the updates and, and edits and control everything. And I was like, you know, I control my Google calendar. We control this. We, I like the lightweight stuff. Um, they also had a real reliance on, you know, your insurance contracts and who you're in network with and all that kind of thing. And I, you know, for our, those who know our practice model, we're largely out of network, but it was more a matter of just logistics and keeping up with all those different plans and contracts and stuff too. Like managing that seemed onerous. And uh, I walked away from that going, well, I guess we're not doing that right now. Yeah. And uh, you know, as I kept thinking about it though, I was sitting there going, you know, it might make sense financially for an orthopedic surgeon or somebody who has a high ticket, price, you know, basically on the transaction. But for all of us, and I mean, all of us who are clinical, like in the clinic, transactional um, per visit kind of people, whether that's psychologists or psychiatrists or primary care docs or really OBGYNs to a large extent, or, you know, pediatricians and us and all the list just kept, as I kept thinking about the list kept getting longer and longer. And I'm going, well, for that amount of money, what they were just going to charge us, I wonder if I can just build it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, again, I think people get daunted, but I'm sitting here thinking how expensive could it be to build the platform? And, um, I was very fortunate too, cause, and we can talk about kind of the EO experience and stuff later, but I reached out to a friend of mine who's actually, he's an EO member in India who has a company where they do this and his company had built the start back tool uh, in the Apple store for me, um, as a project that we had done before, they had built the EO app. They have a lot of, you know, bigger clients and websites and stuff that they've done and applications. And I just reached out to Shamit and said, Hey, you know, here's my two page business plan. Um, do you want to do this together? You guys, your company would be responsible for building the platform. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we spent like, well, basically the answer, the response was yes. What's the split? 
Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm like, well, how about this percentage? And he's yeah. like, yeah, let's do it. Um, so it was literally, that's how long, you know, we had known each other for about a while and I was like, great. Now we had to spec out the site and build, do all this stuff. And they were brilliant with it. Um, but it, you know, and it came in a lot better than I thought it was going to initially too. And, uh, and we've since also iterated and improved upon it and, and really focused on the user experience and, and all that stuff. So really what I was getting at or trying to do was, provide a platform that was affordable, that was scalable, that people could use. And by the way, also manage themselves. So, you know, if you list your clinic, you can change photos, you can update your providers. You, you don't have to, we'll do it for you. But if you move locations like our clinics, we moved around the corner in the financial district about a year ago and we just updated the address and then the Google map updates and I don't have to go through anybody else. It's like literally 10 minutes and it's all updated. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and just by making it really lightweight and allowing people to manage it if they, and this is another cautionary thing, if they do it the way we figured out is best practice, um, you know, they have great success. And we we fill several appointments and, and a couple new patients every week at our clinics in San Francisco nice. um, just by linking it from our website. Perfect. What was the what was the favorite part for you during that whole building process? Like myself, I I'm such a geek at wireframing and drawing up all this stuff. Do you have a favorite part whenever you guys were going through the, uh, the process you, of making that? Yeah. If you, if you are, then you'd be embarrassed with my stuff. I was like drawing it on paper, <laughs> taking oh, no. pictures and sending it to Manu and been like, dude, this is what we want to do. And, and he was taking, you know, so the guy on the ground was taking his team through it and sending me back these really polished, you know, diagrams and prototypes and stuff. And I'm like, Holy cow, you know, I'm, I'm, and if you, by the way, anybody's seen me write or draw, I'm atrocious too. Oh. So, you know, you can't isn't that why we went into medicine? Cause we're horrible at art and math. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but um, yeah, my, I mean, my handwriting so bad in grad school, my mother was still sending me handwriting workbooks. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, seriously. So um, I just kind of, I gave up on that and, but yeah, I mean, it was interesting to see something come to life. And I guess that's the thing I love about entrepreneurs in general is, you know, they, they see a possibility and then, you know, think, well, why, why not? Not, you know, what are the obstacles? What else? It's like, why not? And they go, they go build it. They go do it. And like you guys have done. And, uh, you know, why doesn't this exist or why isn't it good enough or why, you know, why isn't it, why doesn't it serve this group or what have you? And then, and it's like, well, yeah, why not? Let's go do it. And I just think that's a, that's the coolest thing about connecting with other entrepreneurs as well. So do you sound like someone who's always been entrepreneurial? Have you always had, even before you were PT, um, we didn't even cover this in the pre-interview, but I just, it popped into my head. Like you sound like me where like I was selling uh, Napster music that was burned and I was selling mixtapes in, um, in high school where I was bringing uh, old magazines from my parents that were already read through and then selling them in the hallways. Like, were, did you ever do things like that when you were younger? Yeah. Now you're out in me, Dave. I, I, uh, <laughs> I don't think I tell these very often. I don't know that I have. Oh, come on, come on. I don't know. My kids know this. Um, but yeah, you know, those <laughs> fundraising stories. Dude, junior high, like in, in the early 80s, right? That's how old I am. Um, when they've been having fundraisers and selling candy, I'd go to Costco and get the box of candy and sell it too. Um, <laughs> but it was for my, yes, I was fundraising. Yeah. Um, but not necessarily. <laughs> for, uh, but yeah, you know, I was mowing lawns at 12 and, and, uh, yeah, I 
was selling antiques in PT school and did a business plan for a brew pub and right. you know, didn't open it. But yeah, I guess that's always kind of been a compulsion. I mean, I, I even had a payphone business at one point that I sold. Nice. Um, so come again. Yeah. I, a payphone business. <laughs> I had multiple payphones around San Francisco. Wow, man. What? Yeah. That is awesome. I don't yeah. think I've ever heard of anybody that's had a payphone business. It was it was awesome, but it was uh, the timing. I let's just say I got out right about the right time. Yeah, yeah, like taxi service and Uber. You just drop <laughs> yeah. it and leave. <laughs> <laughs> Sold it, and you know, I mean, I think they did fine with it for a few more years, but uh, yeah, eventually, right, you can't even find that stuff. But yeah, I know how to do wiring for phones on your building and all that stuff too. Oh, awesome. Nice. Well, getting wow. back to schedule doc, what was some of the, uh, whenever you first started selling and even now, what's the kickback that you get from other PTs or have you seen a shift from the time you started schedule doc to now? Like what's the, the biggest, I guess, head scratcher that some of the clinic owners have when, when they ask you about schedule doc? Um, you know, that's, it's a great question because it's actually been my biggest challenge to me. Like, like I said, when the whole concept was presented to me, I'm like, well, I should do that. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about, again, the patient experience and, and, you know, there, to, to me, it was just a no brainer where somebody's going to be in a meeting at work and can't, you know, get on the phone to schedule an appointment or in so many doctor's offices too, you know what you, you try to call on their phone hours are nine to nine to 12 and, and one thirty to four thirty or something. Well, how do you, you know, take time out of work? I always think of our target uh, target customer in the, in the PT world is kind of being the mom with, you know, a couple kids who manages the healthcare for herself, for the kids, for the spouse, possibly for the in-laws. So she's kind of leverage point for six or seven people managing all of their healthcare and dentist appointments and doctors and all that stuff. And, you know, if she's at work, how does she do all that? Right. And, and that was kind of the idea of, well, could you do it at seven at night or on Sunday or, and the, and it with no real extra load to the practice to deal with it and stuff. So the, the head scratcher for me is why that convenience and isn't so obvious and how I, you know, I, we talked about this uh, previously with Dave, but there's, Seems, seems to be, to me, such an aversion to quote, technology um, among healthcare in general. I mean, physicians, PTs, dentists, all of them. And, uh, and it's, in, you know, it, it's fascinating because it's just a tool. And we all use tools all the time. And you know, maybe we're not early adopters, but, but it's just another tool. And if it makes somebody's life easier, it makes your business easier, um, you know, it's got to serve a purpose. It's got to solve a problem. If it doesn't, then it's just a, you know, it's a toy. It's not a tool, right. but I mean, we use this stuff all the time, but then so does everybody else, yep. you know, and they're out there on it. And if, you know, what do they do? The first thing, I mean, even if you're talking about like the physician referral model, they go to my orthopedic doctor, my primary care doctor, and she tells me to go, you know, to see Dave, you know, PT. Well, what's the first thing I do before I even hit the car, I'm looking up your website yeah. on here well if there's a schedule now button boom yeah. right and i and i've got availability and i can you know literally go pick out my appointment of course it gets confirmed and all that stuff but i can literally push a button and know that i'm very likely to have three o'clock on tuesday right you know and and of course there are ways to manage that if, if that gets overbooked 
worked in the lag time or what have you, you know, all that stuff. But those are all the objections I get from owners. Well, what if it's already booked? Okay. Then you, I mean, what if they call and say, I want to commit three Tuesday and it's already booked anyway? Yep. Well, I have four o'clock. Can you come in then? Oh yes. Yeah. We've never had a patient complain about that. Right. Ever, ever, ever. And it comes up in every conversation with an owner mm-hmm. I ever get into. Yeah. And then, you know, the other big hurdle for owners is that you've got to get buy-in from your team. And, you know, we all went to school to learn how to treat patients, not to manage people. Yep. So, you know, managing change and bringing on new platforms and new tools and stuff can be daunting. And, and it's something that I've got to, you know, if I'm the owner, I'm the man, owner, operator, manager, I've got to convince, you know, Sherry at the front desk that this is a good thing. Whereas, and that's kind of how we look at it is like, we've got to get her buy-in. Well, we do, but there's also, you know, do you pick up the phone? You know, do you answer patient phone calls? Do you do voicemail? I mean, this is not, this is actually lighter weight in many ways than any of that stuff. But I think we need to be stronger leaders, stronger managers, just in general. Um, And, you know, it's not to put your foot down and demand people do stuff, but really to convey to them why this is important, how it serves our patients better, how it brings more people in to the practice. It helps the practice be more successful, you know, on and on and on. And, uh, and even putting it back in like, well, what if you could, when you go home tonight at seven o'clock or watching TV later, go on your phone or on your tablet and, you know, book with your dentist on, on Thursday Would that, is that attractive? Mm-hmm. You know, the minute you flip it around from the patient standpoint, it's like, oh, well, yeah, that's, well, yeah, I would want that, but I don't want the inconvenience as a business owner of having to do it. And it's like that, those two don't jibe for me. You know? Right. Yeah. Sturdy, have you noticed, because I know you and I have previously t- talked and even Rob and I have talked a lot of, about all of our softwares and how they potentially fit into a, a physical therapy practice. Um, if you look at something like the medical records, electronic medical records, web PT, I know you guys at San Francisco Sport and Spine use clinician. Is, isn't that correct? Yeah, it is currently. So when you look at something like clinician, it's clear that it's mission critical um, or you're doing it on paper. That's kind of like your choice. It's like, it's either you're doing it on pen and paper or you have to shop for an EMR. So you guys have an EMR and it really only interfaces with the front desk and the therapist. So it's like, just like in the business, like it has nothing to do with the consumer. Whereas the initial schedule doc, PT live it all includes a consumer side, like the patient side. And I think I, I, I didn't want to overlook this and I wanted to comment and I wanted to hear what you and Rob kind of thought about the, all of that. Yeah. I'd love to hear Rob's Rob's ideas on it too, but I think you bring up a great point. Yep. Um, and this is something I'm doing with coaching clients right now. And we're doing in our, in, in our own practice as well. But really I think as well, if you go back to school and think about when you were in school, our whole impression of the patient experience was really around their interaction with me as the provider. And when you're a business owner, there are so many more touch points um, with the company, with the brand than just the provider. And I mean, we can all relate to a bad front desk experience or a bad phone call and then getting in, but we love our dentist anyway, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's almost, or we love our doctor anyway. And it's almost in spite of, the other stuff. Like we're willing to put up with that to get to her or him, you know, who's going to help me and treat me and work with me. And that to me, that's just a, that's a real shortcoming, I guess, in that business side of things. I mean, when we talk about business, I think people get a little hung up too and think about financials and metrics and stuff. And there's, there's a component there, but there's also that, 
that customer experience, all those touch points, and what can you do to make sure those touch points are clean, the touch points are good, you're delivering on what's important and you're exceeding their expectations where you can. And, uh, you know, when they go to your website, that's a touch point. When they call your office, it's a touch point. When they come in the front, the front door of the building, it's a touch point. These are all impressions they have about your company, about your brand. And yeah. when, they, when they see your exercise videos on Facebook, that's a touch point. Or, you know, they get a referral from the physician well, on a piece of paper or, or what have you. All those different pieces can come together to enhance the overall customer experience. And, um, you know, yeah, as you're saying, there's so much of what we look at as mission critical internally. But if we flip that around again and think about really putting the patient, the customer truly in the center of the experience, not just, well, yeah, I care about patients, but I don't want to really work on all that other stuff. I mean, that's all part of their experience. And if we can make that smooth and enjoyable and welcoming, you know, it's going to, you decrease stress levels, you get better buy-in and compliance, you get, you know, uh, just, again, what, why, why did we do all this? And, uh, you know, you went to school for 20 years to become a doctor of physical therapy so you could serve patients. And then, you know, and then we get to something like, like, you know, like Vinitial or like Schedule Doc or, or a dozen other programs go, yeah, I don't really want to do that. Right. Yeah. You know, it's almost, yeah. It's almost like the patient experience is this huge net and everybody just has these massive holes in the net that patients are just whoop, <laughs> right through, yep. and then they're slapping their head going, why aren't you getting any new patients? I don't get it. And it's like, because you have a net that is like Swiss cheese, just huge holes. Just well, yeah, and and if you look at look at people's reviews, I mean, this is actually something we, you know, you want to get a bunch of small business owners fired up. Just say Yelp and then step back. Um, but <laughs> it's like throwing a grenade into the conversation. <laughs> but, they, uh, um, but it's the same thing's true, and, and that, this is a marketing discussion, right? People go, well, what do I talk about when I go out to a doctor's office or or meet them out or here or there or whatever? Talk about talk about this other stuff, you know, talk about how you're trying to enhance the customer experience in some way. Talk about the reviews on Yelp because everybody relates to that. And it's almost never about the clinical care. You know, when somebody gives you one or two or three stars and it's my, my PT was great, but mm-hmm. you know, or they didn't do, you know, they didn't do my billing for me. Well, yeah, that's not, that's not our core business, right? We didn't, we certainly didn't design that system. So, you know, we're trying to work within the bounds that we're given and do the best we can, but that's kind of one of those, what they call non-core activities. It's like, it may be table stakes, but you do it as best you can, but you're going to excel at these other things that are really your core activities that are going to make your company different. And if, if, if you really are patient centric, you really are customer service focused, then you've got to flip that around and think about everything from the patient standpoint and that includes going to your website that that includes i mean i heard this years ago and i and i asked people this now and like when you have when's the last time you walked you know you went out and parked in your parking lot and walked in the front door of your offices and clinic and thought about it as if you're a patient there for the first time yeah and really see it that way you know do you need to pick up some stuff do you need to plant some flowers you need to get the homeless guy, you know, to move down the street or right. whatever it is, depending on where you guys are. I know or at least I am a new suit. So he looks nice sleeping there on the ground, right? In yeah. Portland, especially. Well, you know, the fascinating thing in San Francisco is if you just politely ask people like, could you go over there? They generally go, yeah, okay. Yeah. 
And that, I mean, it's really that difficult. I have a, another story about a heroin dealer, but we'll go on that later. Yeah. <laughs> oh that, that's for the, that's for the unpublished part of the conversation. <laughs> right. yeah. 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 Well, speaking of, you've been in PT for 20 years, so that's two decades of experience. So when you went into the, the business coaching side, so we'll kind of switch gears here, talk a little bit about um, just when you started that and then what problems you were looking at and saying, okay, I'm, you know, seeing so many different, like we're talking about different holes that other people aren't seeing. Go into that a little bit if you can. Well, I mean, a lot of that comes from personal experience too. And, in, in, you know, Dave, we talked about being kind of entrepreneurial and doing stuff, but when, you know, you're selling candy bars or newspapers or magazines or mowing lawns or whatever, you're not managing staff. You're not, you know, doing budgets and marketing budgets and planning strategy and all those kinds of things that you end up eventually, you know, having to do at some level with, with a, a larger business and especially something that's going to provide for your family and your future and all that kind of stuff, you get a little bit more serious about it. And, um, you know, we struggled for the, through the first couple of years and, uh, you know, working really hard, thinking we were doing all the right things, treating patients, taking care of people, but not really making headway. And, uh, you know, back, I think there are a ton, by the way, there are a lot more resources in the profession today than there were in 2001. Um, back then, it was still, there, there weren't a ton of resources. There were some people, and we really tried to learn what we could inside the profession. And, um, you know, we weren't getting, we weren't really getting anywhere right. with it, um, making small improvements and stuff, but really not getting, getting anywhere. And uh, as soon as we went outside the profession, for any kind of business training, learning focus, um, like literally, it, and I'll give credit, Mark Joyner, who's a friend of mine now, but I found his course online, did the Simpleology course, and uh, literally within six weeks, we were profitable. Wow. And it was simply a matter of prioritization and focus um, and applying and being uh, committed to change you know basically exercising your business muscle a little bit and tr starting to treat the business with the same regard you would as a same regard um you would a patient right um you know like this is something i need to take care of and, and nurture and train and add to and what have you so as we started doing that um that got interesting and that got exciting and we started like deliberately going out and trying to learn more stuff in different areas and um you know i Part of the reason for doing this, I mean, the part of the reason I went into PT was I had had PT when I was in college and I got exposed to it and I thought, oh, that's cool. I get to use my head, my hands, you know, figure things out, be active. Um, so all that stuff was was cool. And that's, you know, I went back and worked in PT when I came back from Asia and, and stuff and, and learned more about it before I committed and went to grad school and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but you know, that was kind of the attraction. And then I guess... A little over 10 years ago, I think I had a first business coach and having that accountability of, you know, I've, I mean, so many people who own their own business end up in this kind of situation where you're two years, five years, eight years or whatever out, you haven't had a boss in a long time and you start trying to go, well, what do I do next? What's important? And you, and you feel a little bit isolated and alone and, and maybe even lost. I, I certainly did. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were trying to put some structure around all of it. And at that time did the EMIT business coaching. And that was, that was about 10, 10, 11 years ago, but um, that was very structured mm -hmm. didactic learning, meet with your coach, you know, every, every week, 
have deliverables, have homework, account, you know, and there was no penalty if you didn't do the stuff other than I had to tell Peter I didn't do the stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And then and then Peter's like, well, why not? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. right. like uh, okay, well, I need to, right, I'm paying him, but at the same time, like, I'm accountable to him for doing that. And, uh, and that was a very structured process and stuff. It was a great foundation for us. Um, but then we went through, and I had several other business coaches after that, working on different things and really getting more and more advanced along the way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the thing, what was it? So I started teaching what we were calling Clinician University, a two-day course for clinician. I was just looking at some stuff, and I think it was 17, April of 2014, if I'm right. Yeah. Um, so two and a half years, I taught Clinician University, and that's a two-day crash course and um, in business. But the, the cool thing about PTs is, and this was all PTs and OTs and speech therapists and stuff owning their business. It was their clientele. But um, for doing that, these folks on average saw an 8.9% increase in revenue after three months, meaning they're smart people. They're working really hard. They're trying hard. They just don't have a framework of what to do next. And by doing this course, um, you know, we were able to get, get them off the ground a little bit, give help them to find some direction. And they went out and did it. And, uh, you know, some folks got as much as like a 20% increase. And this wasn't a marketing like increase your volume kind of thing. This was yeah. manage what you have. Right. Framework around it. And then, you know, to kind of wrap up the, the whole idea, we, so I, I taught clinician into implementing, hiring me and building a team of business coaches back in April of last year in 2016. And, uh, and I'll say I convinced them because I'm not sure they, you know, yeah. it, it fit, it worked. <laughs> the idea was if we did it this way with a crash course, could we do, pieces every month for all these clients. And, uh, you know, there were other challenges there and we never really got the coaching program up off the ground and stuff and I went there in November. Um, but the idea was, um, well, it allowed, it allowed me to start working on that and to start thinking more strategically and with a large number of, of PT practice owners. So, couple, yeah. you know, behind the curtain on several hundred businesses, looking at the challenges. And what was fascinating to me was a lot of the challenges were the same, whether you were at a two person, half a million dollar business or a $10 million business, um, people were running into many of the same challenges, just maybe on a greater scale or different roadblocks at different stages, uh, all that right. stuff that happened. And, you know, when I left there, I was, I was kind of like, you know, I talked to my wife previously, we were on vacation in Hawaii and, uh, this was years ago. And, and I said something about retiring and she laughed at me. <laughs> right and, and i know I and you're like what does that mean yeah and she's like you're you know, uh, and uh and she and I, and I sat there i was thinking about it you know as we're walking through the forest the woods and stuff down to the beach and i'm like yeah she's probably right i'm probably not gonna retire so what do i what do i want to do you know and as i kept thinking about it um I, I i enjoy the strategy i enjoy helping business owners to enjoy the structure like kind of putting a framework around it and helping people to, you know, realize their, their dreams and stuff. And I, I was just thinking, well, you know, business coaching is probably going to be my retirement job, something like that. And, uh, and that'll hopefully lead to like board positions and investing and other stuff, help really helping make strategic decisions and helping, helping people realize their, their businesses and potential and stuff. Right. And, uh, you know, when I, when I left clinician and, you know, PT business is doing, doing well and um you know we're kind of thinking i was thinking well what do i do next i'm like why don't i i mean it's kind of how how 
the private practice thing started too. It's like, well, this is way earlier than I thought I would ever do it. But, you know, I talked to her and said, hey, what do you think? Yeah. And she's like, well, yeah, it's what you're passionate about. It's what you love to do. You know, got to try it. Yeah. Which is exactly how we started the private practice. Yeah. You can never wait until you're completely ready or you're never going to do it. So you've got to jump in with both feet there. David, we've got a Facebook question you said? Yes. For starting, we have a Facebook comment from Paul Fath, F-A-T-H. I hope I'm pronouncing that correct, Paul. Let me know if not. Uh, Sturdy, he mentioned that he loved, Paul said he loves to focus on the patient life cycle and that it's overlooked too often. Is that something that you get into with your business coaching? Do you go that in depth on the clinical and business side of things like in the trenches? Oh, sure. Um, I mean, yeah, there's so many facets to what you're trying to do. And there are really some things that are, forgive me for a second some things that are foundational, um, you know, we talk about when Simon Sinek writes, you know, start with why and we talk about the why and purpose and all that, but that generally takes quite a while to evolve and be able to articulate well. So I bring up vision, you know, the BHAG purpose, core values, all that stuff in the beginning, but that's more of an iterative process where it's not like you're going to do all that stuff in the first month and have it dialed in. Even if you've been in business for 10 or 15 years, you're, you know, you might have some ideas, you might have some stuff, but there's some refining to do buy-in from your team and your staff direction, all that stuff. Um, but then you start moving into, okay, well, once you've identified your BHAG or your goals for like, where, and that's a Jim Collins, big, hairy, audacious goal, kind of mm-hmm. for those who don't know beyond the horizon, I don't know how to get there yet necessarily, but yeah. um, it's my ultimate goal destination. But if you set that and and this is where I differ a little bit, I, I th- like, being in the five year or so range because 15 or 20 just starts to feel intangible and not real anymore. Um, but you set a five year kind of plan and goal, then you start working backwards on strategic priorities for the quarter that you can move into. And, you know, for all the clients and there's stuff on, on my Facebook page and on the website too, but um, you're really looking at low hanging fruit. Like what, what are the first things that you can do to, to get a return on investment and, and there are some basic, usually some basic blocking and tackling things that um, maybe people are aware of, but they just don't appreciate the magnitude or the impact that it can have on their business. Yeah. So when you start talking about visits per case and, and retention compliance, filling those vacant appointments, um, you know, it may not seem like a big deal when you're in solo practice, but when you've got, you know, six and six therapists or 10 or something and, and you start multiplying, it's kind of like traveling with my family now. Right. If I have to pay a hundred bucks extra to go to Chicago, it's not really that big a deal. But I, when you multiply that by five, it's like, oh, wait, you know, or you're going to, you know, 150 bucks more for the flight. And it's like, well, that's $750. That's starts to sound like real money, you know, and like, wow, I don't, you know, it just, it multiplies. So those kind of scaling impacts, um, you know, when you've got five or six or more therapists or assistants or what have you, clinicians, um, if each of those guys is missing one, one appointment a week times, you know, 46, 48 work weeks a year mm-hmm. times six people, you know, that starts to add up. And how do you manage that a little tighter and get a little, you know, small improvements, small improvements that might not have made a huge deal when you were a solo practitioner start to make a much bigger deal when you've got several people right. working and treating and stuff. Yeah. And so that's really kind of 
the first starting point. Then we get at all the other stuff. But yeah, you, we get, you know, it, it's that 30,000 foot and then drill down and then go back up and then drill down and, yeah. and uh, you know, solve the problems and help them help them teach their team, coach their team. Yeah. Awesome. So as we mentioned earlier, if you guys that are listening live or want to check out on the replay, if you're listening to this down the road, for Schedule Doc, check out www.scheduledoc.co if you're interested in that software for your practice. And Sturdy, if someone else in the audience, in fact, somebody, uh, and I'll have you check out the Facebook comments, somebody just mentioned that uh, that they said, this guy seems really knowledgeable and they, and they want to connect with you to ask about uh, business questions and this person is a, a private practice owner. So we'll make sure that you connect with them on the, uh, the Facebook comments cool. and uh, you guys can talk privately, but, um, in regards to connecting with you further for your website, your, uh, business coaching, what will be the best places for that? Oh, all, all my contact info is, is on, um, sturdymckee.com. Like it literally, if you go to the contact page, my home address isn't there, but you've got my cell phone there, my email, my personal email. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's another thing. I mean, you guys may have run into this too. Like so many therapists are afraid and yeah, there, there is spam and there's stuff to be done with that. But um, like if they put their email addresses on their website or they put their contact info or they give their, you know, card to patients with their information or what have you, that um, people will abuse that. And there's always the outlier. There's always somebody, but I've been really amazed at how respectful the vast majority of people are yeah. with all that. I mean, I I've told people at conferences and stuff, yeah, my cell phone's on my website and then I'll get like this Facebook message. Um, is it okay if we talk sometime, you know, like, yeah, just text. And if you really want me, text me or hit me on Facebook Messenger because email, <laughs> I've got 12,000 unread emails and I'm never going to get to them and I might miss stuff. And that's just, I need an assistant. I don't want to pay for one. But that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. so there are other ways to get to me. Hit me on streamyki.com. But um, yeah, or on Facebook and stuff. But that's that's there. And then, oh yeah, the one, the other thing on the schedule doc thing, um, I just, I knew we were doing this and I just decided I was going to slash, like slash the prices. So if anybody does want to sign up, it's 10 bucks per provider per month. Good grief. Um, well, I mean, we That's want traction. I want people on board and yeah. uh, you know, and, and there, I was doing some research on the numbers and there, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but there, it, I didn't know this before I found this out, but we're physical therapists are the third largest healthcare profession mm-hmm. in the English speaking world. Yeah. Nurses, MDs, and then PTs? Nurses, MDs, yeah. RNs, MDs, and, and PTs. Damn. There are more of us than there are dentists and chiropractors and OTs and stuff combined. Wow. And that's true in Australia. That's true in England. It's in UK. It's true in South Africa. Yeah, um, the only place I couldn't figure it out was uh, Ireland because they don't publish those stats, um, yeah. I guess. But New Zealand, Australia, Canada, US... UK, South Africa, all of them, they're, we're the third largest. And I'm like, if they're 275,000 therapists, then I don't need to charge 3000 a year. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, doc, doc be damned. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, Rob. I did. I did. <laughs> awesome. Well, for Rob and I here at PT Tech Talk Podcast, episode 45, Please do feel free to uh, subscribe and check out, get some notifications when we put some stuff live, the upcoming episodes with Sturdy's episode and future episodes. So check us out on 
iTunes, YouTube, and SoundCloud for PT Live. Go ahead and just search PT. Uh, I'm sorry, I said PT Live. PT Tech Talk. <laughs> and uh, and for Rob and I here at PT Tech Talk Podcast, Serdi, thank you so much for your time. It was awesome to catch up, and it was awesome to hear a little bit more behind the scenes. Uh, Dave, Rob, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. This was this was fun. I didn't even realize we were maybe because I was talking too much, but we were at time. So no, man, it's good. That was great. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.